Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Uh, I want to read from chapter Joshua chapter 14, and I'm going to read from verse 6. It'll come up on the screen. For those of you that don't have a Bible, it's okay, we got you. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. And all those over 80 made some noise. As yet I am as strong this day on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Look at someone say, I still got it. Verse 12, now therefore, give me this mountain. Say that, say, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day for you. Heard in that day, now the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out. As the Lord said, and Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron Caleb to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. The story of Caleb starts earlier on in Numbers chapter 13. And if you know the story a little bit, We can't turn there for sake of time, but let me tell you, in Numbers 13, we see the story where 12 spies are sent out to scout out the promised land. 12 spies are sent into the promised land that God had called all of the Israelites to go into. These 12 spies went, and you know the story, they went, 10 of them came back with a bad report, 10 of them came back with a a report of doubt, of unbelief, but of those 12, there were two, Joshua and Caleb, that yes, they saw the giants, but they also in the midst of the giants recognised the promise. In the midst of craziness, in the midst of intimidation, in the midst of Fear, there was something else that grabbed their attention and it was the promise that God had called them to. And the story goes that they came back and, and the Bible says that, that when the 10 started to tell the rest of the Israelites and started to spread this, this doubt and unbelief as we just read, Caleb referred to it as they began to melt the heart of the Israelites 
Then the Bible says in Numbers 13 that Caleb stood up and told them all to be quiet. He said, shut up, there's a promise. He said, shut up, I know it's crazy. He didn't negate the fact that there was difficulties. He didn't overlook the fact that there was a giant, there was gonna be a battle, but there was a greater thing that he saw and that was the promise in the midst of the challenges. He said, shut up, don't talk doubt. Shut up, don't talk unbelief. Because I saw the giants, I saw the difficulties, but something else was in there. There was a promise in the middle of the pain. There was, a, there was some grapes, the Bible says. There was some fig. There was some non-alcoholic wine, praise Jesus. There was some blessing. Some of you will get that later. There was some blessing that God had called them to. And then if you follow the story, you follow the story right the way through the rest of the book of Numbers, through Deuteronomy and into Joshua. And we find now in Joshua, as Joshua has stepped up to lead at this point, Moses has passed away. Joshua is now the leader of the Israelites, leading them into the promised land. It's actually a picture of Jesus from New Testament Jesus in the Old Testament story. And the interpretation for the name Jesus in Old Testament Hebrew is actually interpreted as Joshua. Joshua is a picture of the deliverer that led them into the promised land. And we pick up this story in Joshua 14, where Caleb comes back into the picture. The Bible says 45 years later, when they get to the promised land, Caleb steps up and starts to recount what God had said to him. And Caleb says to Joshua, as they're dividing up land, he says to him, give me that mountain. Give me that mountain that I saw back in Numbers 13. Give me that mountain that I haven't forgotten about in 45 years. Give me that mountain that while everybody else was complaining and bickering and messing up and, and getting frustrated, God showed me something 45 years ago that I haven't forgotten about and I'm drawing down on that now. Give me my mountain. It's a picture, understand, this promised land that they stepped into is a picture. It's an Old Testament story that I believe is a picture of a New Testament freedom that God has called each and every one of us to walk in as Christians. You have to understand, church, that true freedom is not just waiting for you on the other side of eternity. Although we will experience that and we'll walk through the pearly gates and see the gold and, and hang with the angels and worship the Lord. But I don't know about you, but God has put something in my heart that God has called me to walk in complete freedom and breakthrough here on earth right now. I get sick of people that preach stories, that preach sermons saying, well, I'm just holding on till Jesus comes. I'm not holding on until Jesus comes. I'm called here to reach up to heaven and grab every bit of freedom, every bit of wholeness, every bit of blessing, every bit of favour. I don't want it in heaven. I want it now. Give me my mountain. We have to get, understand that we're called. You are called to walk in victory here on earth today. 
Jesus didn't come. God did not wrap Himself in flesh and hang on a cross so that you can just get by. He didn't come and bleed the death He bled and the scars on His body and the beatings so we can still battle addiction, so we can battle disunity in our homes, so we can battle oppression, mindsets, depression, things trying to hold you back. You are called to occupy freedom and breakthrough in your life now, this day now. And it's a lie from the enemy that will cause people to hold back in what God is calling you to. The mountain that Caleb spoke on, spoke of, it's a picture, it represents complete breakthrough. For the Israelites, they had been wandering. They, yes, they had come out of captivity. Understand that you receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour is not just about what God is calling you out of, but it's about what God is calling you into. That He doesn't want you wandering in the desert, just celebrating that you're free, but really not walking in complete freedom, still dealing with things in your past, still got wrong mindsets, still got lack in your life, still got all of these issues. God has complete freedom. My Word tells me that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Doesn't say whom the Son sets free gets free a little bit. Doesn't say whom the sun sets free gets free on Sundays. Doesn't say whom the sun sets free gets free when they're doing the night worship song and you like the song and you have that little moment where you feel the warm fuzzies and you feel the good. No, 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 free indeed. And I believe God is looking for a generation of Christians that have the audacity to step up and put a demand on heaven and say, give me my mountain. Caleb got it in his spirit. The first thing, if you want to be someone that conquer the mountain of breakthrough and freedom, the first thing is that we see Caleb do that we can learn from this morning, church, is you've got to catch it in your spirit. This breakthrough, this freedom that, you know, I'm getting so excited and yelling and screaming about. It can't be just a thought. Can't be just, well, that'd be, that'd be nice. Freedom. That'd be, wouldn't that be good? Have a bit of money in the bank? Come on, praise Jesus. That'd be nice. Wouldn't that be good? Gee, that'd be nice. That would be nice if the kids all were saved and living for God. That would be nice if, if God blessed the business. Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be a nice thought. I want to tell you something. A thought's not going to cut it. Watch what happened with Caleb. Caleb went out to that land. Went out to scout that land and something dropped in that dude's spirit. The crowd, the rest of the crowd of the Israelites, they couldn't shake it from him. The ten, the ten spies, even though him and Joshua were outnumbered, the ten spies, they couldn't, they couldn't shake it from him. But then watch this journey. If you follow the journey and you read the story from Numbers 13 all the way through the rest of the book of Numbers. You can follow it. You can look at it later. There's wandering. Then there's bickering amongst the Israelites. Then there's more wandering around. Then there's complaining. Then there's more wandering around. Then they have a, a whole revolt. They, they rise up in a rebellion against Moses. Then they're wandering around some more. Then they start saying it would have been better for us to go back to Egypt. 
But look at this right through the book of Numbers, all the way through the book of Deuteronomy and into the first 14 chapters of the book of Joshua, we don't hear anything of Caleb. No mention. Caleb, there's no mention of Caleb complaining. He was the one, he saw the grapes. If anyone had a reason to complain, it was Caleb because he had seen it, yet they were not walking in it. He could have complained. He could have said, guys, come on, we need to go back this way. What, what are we doing? I can't believe it. We saw the grapes and non-alcoholic wine, you know, it was going awesome. And, and we, you know, we could be, oh, I was there. I can't, believe, I can't believe I was there. I was right there. Why did I leave? Now I'm stuck here and now we're wandering around in circles. And, and, and now, now I don't even know if we're ever going to get back. No, no, no. Caleb doesn't say a word. His name is not mentioned. Why? Because Caleb caught something in his spirit in Numbers 13 that 45 years of absence could not steal. Caleb caught something in his spirit that despite the complaining that was all around him, the promise that God had spoken was so deep in his spirit that the complaining and the bickering and the moaning and the rebellion couldn't steal it. Have you got the promise of God so deep within your spirit that the absence of the promise cannot rob it from within you? How do you cope with the in-between? It's in the waiting. It's in the in-between. I want to tell you something, church. When you catch it in your spirit, all hell cannot stop you. When you get it deep within your spirit, I remember God speaking to me, you know, I was, and you know, part of my story of, I was, I was 34, 33, I can't remember when I got married. I remember doing 10 years of being single in, in, in church and I was a pastor and, 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 and people started saying, Ben, I mean, listen, you've been, it's been, you've been waiting 10 years. You know, you know, I mean, it's probably time for, you know, you need to just, people would say, you need to just find a good Christian girl and close the deal, bro. Like, come on, you know, it's, and people said, no, listen, but I felt when, when I, I'd broken up my last relationship and I felt God speak to me and said, I want you to find your identity in girls. I want you to find it in me. And I prayed and I said to God, God, this is going to be a supernatural thing. I need it to be a supernatural thing. And God spoke to me and said, it will be. And God dropped something in my spirit. And I thought, gee, I'm going to hold on to that. But then a year goes by, two years, three years, four, five Six, all your friends are getting married all around you and having kids. All my siblings are married and having kids. And people would try and say, what, what about this girl? She's a good girl. And look, she was a good girl, but it just wasn't what God put in my spirit. And then this girl wasn't, just wasn't what God put in my spirit. And then, what's that? And then you start to think, well, maybe. But God, every time I would get in worship and every time I would get in the presence of God, God would just, just remind me and just confirm. I had someone come up to me. I prayed, I remember I prayed. It's a crazy story. I don't have time to go into it. But I have writings in my journals downstairs in my office where I would date and I'll put the date down. I'll write, God, I know what you've told me in my spirit. I need you to confirm it. Then I had a lady come up to me that was on our prayer team in our church that my parents oversaw that prayer and intercessor. She comes up to me and she said, Ben, I know this is weird. I'd never met this woman before in my life. She'd seen me preaching. She was one of the prayers in the church. She said, Ben, it's the craziest thing. I was praying for you. 
No, I was praying for the church and then you dropped into my heart. She's a sweet lady, an elderly lady married with children. She said, you just dropped in my heart. So I felt God tell me to pray for you, but specifically to pray for you and your future wife. She said it was the craziest thing. And, and God told me to tell you something. And, and I, I know this might sound weird or whatever. But listen to this. This is after I said, God, confirm what you've dropped in my spirit. She said, God told me to tell you that is going to be a supernatural thing. Look at this. And God is going to, as God is my witness, this is what she said to me. God is going to bring someone from the other side of the world and you're going to know it's a God thing. Let me tell you something, church. A few years later, there I am, 10 years of not dating, 10 years of believing, 10 years of having it in, in my heart, in my spirit. And I'm in the green room at a conference and Pastor Jensen comes in and then waltzing beside him is this little 19-year-old. And I thought, what have we got here? Let me tell you something, church, when you get something in your heart and in your spirit and make a decision, you know what? I'm going to hang on to this thing come hell or high water. I believe my God is faithful. He's not going to let me down. And there is a mountain that He's called me to conquer. Come on, someone give God praise if you believe He's telling you there's a mountain. Give me, give me that mountain. He got it in his heart. He got it in his spirit. The story, it reminds me of the story of where Jesus says to the disciples in Luke 8, 22, Jesus says to the disciples, get in the boat. What did he say to them? Get in the boat. We're going to the other side. As if to say, get in the boat. There's a mountain I have for you. But look at what happens. He speaks to where they're going. And they get rattled when? In the in-between. You know the story that the, the, the waves come and the storm comes. Jesus is chilling. He's asleep. The waves and the storm come. Jesus comes up and he says to them, where is your faith? He doesn't say, you of little faith. He doesn't say, why did you not have enough faith? See, the issue wasn't the amount of faith they had. It was where they had put their faith. See, what happens is sometimes we don't put our faith in the other side that God has called us to. We put our faith in the process that He thinks we think He's going to take us on. You've got to focus on the promise, not the process. If you put faith in the process, you'll fall off the wagon as soon as things start getting crazy. But when you put your faith in the promise, no matter what happens between point A and point B, you know whatever's going to come your way might come your way, but no weapon formed against you is going to prosper and there's a mountain for you on the other side. First thing Caleb did, he caught it. He caught it in his spirit. Second thing, real quickly, if you want to occupy that mountain that God has called you to, you've got to catch it first. Secondly, he, firstly, he caught it. Secondly, he claimed it. If you haven't caught it in your spirit, you will never claim it with authority. Because you've got to, you've got to that claim has got to follow something that's, you know when you talk to someone, and they don't even believe what they're saying. You know, when you're talking to someone, you're like, I don't even think this cat's for real. Hey, like. But when you, well, you know, when, when someone's got something in your spirit, when you catch it in your spirit, you can claim it with authority. 
Caleb fronts up to Joshua 45 years later. Walks up and says, remember that word? I don't know if Joshua remembered it or not. But Caleb verbatim starts to quote. He said this. Then he said this. this what he was doing was, Caleb was saying on this authority, give me my mountain. If you go back and you look at it, you'll see what I'm talking about. Verse 6, the word which the Lord said. Verse 10, the Lord kept me alive as He said. And then finally, verse 12, as I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. He was coming to Caleb with a claim and he had the he had the authority to back it up. He had the claim, the title deed in hand and was quoting. Let me tell you what the Word of God is for your life. It's a title deed for every single victory and mountain that God has called you to occupy. It's not just pretty little words on a page that you can put on a plaque on your wall or tattoo on your arm. You've got to get it in your heart and it's got to be a claim, a title deed that you can front up to hell itself and say, give me my mountain, give me my breakthrough, give me my healing. Give me my blessing on this authority. It's a title deed. Do you know what's written on the title deed? Or are you missing out on something that God has already paid the price for and signed in blood for you to have? But you just don't know what you're claiming. You've got to understand what this Word is. When we declare things and you hear us say these Scriptures from stage as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's not, that's not just a pretty verse that was said back in the day. That's not just a history. This is the Word of God, the Old Testament. It's not just a history lesson. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 9 says, All these things happened as examples unto us. That's where we've got to get it and say, you know what? You've got to be crazy enough to believe it. You've got to have a heart that's full of enough faith and wild enough to say, you know what? I'm going to take this thing and take it for my life as a title deed of freedom over my family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm claiming it. I was praying yesterday, Caressa and Luca are in. We're in Georgia at the moment, celebrating. My, my brother-in-law goes off to uh, goes off to college this week. But I, I went around. I was praying last, yesterday through through our house and praying victory over my family. Taking taking uh, oil. I think it was uh, Chris is healthy, so I use coconut oil. Come on, praise Jesus. Took some took some coconut oil. I tell the story. I was preaching on a youth camp once. I might have told you this. I was praying over kids and God's moving and I had one of my interns with me. I said, bro, go get some oil. He said, well, I'll get it. I said, I don't know, just find it. We're on a youth camp, middle of nowhere. He runs into the kitchen. He's gone for about 20 minutes. I'm like, what's going on? And finally he comes back. I'm praying for people. I look over and he's standing there holding a the coffee cup. He gives it to me. I look down in. I looked at him. I said, what's this? He says, I couldn't find oil, so I just put margarine in the microwave. 
I said, give me that thing. This will work. God, anoint the margarine. Anointed about 200 kids with melted down margarine. But praise God, listen. I mean, no, God will touch anything. If he can use a donkey, he can use some melted down margarine. But listen, you've got to claim it. You've got to claim the victory. You've got to claim it as your own. You've got to do what Caleb did front up to Joshua as Joshua was dividing out land and said, give me, he says, my mountain. Not that mountain. Give me my, and he's specific. Get specific. You have not because you ask not. What do you want God to do? God, I want a breakthrough. God, I want healing. God, I pray and you pray it in like you believe that those prayers are prayers that are going to unlock heaven and shake hell. You've got to get it in your spirit and then claim it over your life. I walked around yesterday praying over our house, anoint all the door heads of the doors. I was anointing anything that I could get my hands on. I anoint Luca's bed with oil and I'm, I'm claiming that victory. Don't let the enemy just come in and try and take and take what's yours and steals from you. You've got to claim it. He caught it in his spirit. But then he claimed it. He claimed it according to the word of God. Don't water down your claim based on mistakes of your past. The enemy will come in and the enemy will say, because of the mistakes... You, you, can't, you cannot claim freedom in your family because you messed up. You cannot claim blessing in your business because of that dumb decision you made back there. You cannot claim freedom in your mind because your family's always had this. The moment you give in to that thinking, you nullify the blood of Jesus and the price that he paid. You've got to make a claim that's grounded on the Word of God. Caleb presented his case to Joshua and said, because of this, this, and this, give me my mountain. He caught it. He claimed it. And then he conquered it. You've got to step out into it. It speaks of a faith you can't just sit back. The Bible says faith without works is dead. You can't just catch something in your spirit, claim it from a distance and not step out in faith and believe that God's going to deliver it to you. If you haven't caught it, you cannot claim it. But if you haven't claimed it, you won't be able to conquer it. Because you better know that if you're going for a mountain of freedom and breakthrough over your life, you better know the enemy is going to put up a fight. You've got to conquer that. You've got to take that as your own. And lastly, real quick, and keys can come and, and I'm going to wrap. He caught it. He claimed it. He conquered it. And the last thing, he kept it. This wasn't a moment of breakthrough. This was a lifestyle. God has not called you to get blessed. You're called to be blessed. You're not called to 
have a moment of favour. You're called to be favoured. It's something that you're called to occupy. We have moments of breakthrough. We think that, that God came to give us a moment of breakthrough, but then, we, then we're back where we were. And then we have a moment and we live by church. We live our church life living from moment to moment. My Bible doesn't say that I'm to live from moment to moment. I'm meant to go from glory to glory. And then the last bit of glory I finished on, I'm going to use as a launching pad for the next bit of glory God has for me. Ten spies visited breakthrough, but two occupied it. Ten of them came back with a story of grapes, but two of them got to live in the vineyard. God is calling you to be someone that keep it. Speaks to me of holding, holding your ground. I want to tell you, church, that mountain that God has for you, not only is it going to be a fight to get it, but it's going to be a continued fight to keep it. I talked about the journey coming up to meeting Caressa. How many married people know what I'm talking about? You pray the right person in, but then guess what? It's married life. You've got to fight off some devils to keep it. It's knowing what it is. When Caressa and I were praying and believing that, that you know, that we, we, we decide we want to have a baby. And Caressa shared her story before that, you know, we're trying to get pregnant and it wasn't happening and she was finding it really hard. And I want to tell you, there was a fight in the Spirit that we had to claim and say, devil, this is, give me my mountain. But then how many know when God delivers it, then it's my time to fight to keep it. Last week, we were in the, downstairs in the green room just before the five o'clock service. And we're hanging out. Luke is eight months old. He doesn't crawl officially. He has like this thing that he does to make his way from A to B. I don't really know what it is, but it seems to work for him. He gets there real quick. But Luke is sitting on one of the armchairs in the green room downstairs about 4.45. And me and Caressa are in there and as he's sitting there, he just decides he wants to stand up. He grabs the side of the armchair and pulls himself up. The moment he pulls himself up, he just topples straight over the armchair, comes down onto the tile ground head first on the ground. It was crazy. We watched it, Caressa and I both watched it happen. We run over to him, pick him up. He's screaming, he's bleeding. We don't know, his whole body, he hit on his head and then his whole body flipped over. We grabbed him, picked him up, I grabbed the keys, we jumped in the car and took off to the hospital. There was blood. We didn't know where the blood was coming from. We didn't know. We had no idea what was going on. Then as Chris is holding him in, in the car, she's crying and, and I'm driving on the way to the hospital and he starts falling asleep. Now, how many know if you know something of a kid getting hit in the head, that's not a good thing. And I'm saying a caress, I'm saying, where's the blood coming from? She says, she's screaming, crying. She says, I don't know, he's falling asleep. What do I do? He's falling asleep. I said, don't let him fall asleep. And we listen, we have this moment of, of panic and you know, we've we never seen, you know, if, you, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You've not, I've never seen him fall like that. 
And the enemy will start in those moments. The enemy will start speaking. Because what does he want? He wants the mountain. He wants what you declared over your life you would walk in. He wants that. He starts speaking. And I remember driving and I spoke out my mouth. I said, He's going to be okay. I said this, I said, thank you, Jesus. That crazy thing to say when you're facing, when the enemy's trying to hit you, I made a deal with the enemy. I said, every time you come at me, I'm gonna lift up praise to him to make you think twice, you're not gonna steal my praise. I said, thank you, Jesus. And there might've been blood coming on his face so we didn't know where it was from, but I was standing on a greater blood and it's the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross that says my family will be saved, that the blood of Jesus will surround my home. We get to the hospital and put him in and they clean him up and turns out he was bleeding a little from his nose. The doctors checked him and did all of the checks and said, it looks like he's totally fine, there's no issue. And, and they said, we'd take him home tonight, just keep an eye on him. We monitored him through the night and he's totally fine. Praise Jesus, no problem, no concussion, even nothing. But that's why I had this urgency as, as I was preparing this message. I had that. That's why I went yesterday and started walking around my house. And I played, prayed the blood of Jesus over this house. Because the great thing about Occupying the mountain doesn't mean the battle won't come. But when you're on a mountain, you can see the enemy coming. When you're on a mountain, listen, the battle's going to come. But you'll see that rat coming a mile away. And you know how to fight. You know the word. You know the prayer. You can see him coming and say, I'm coming at you. You are not going to take this mountain from me because it's my mountain. Come on, tell someone I've got a mountain right across this room. Stand to your feet. I'm going to pray. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.